you say momhood? Momhood. <gasps> Finally. Oh, the day is finally here. It's part two with Susan Yara. Susan, thank you so much for being here again. Thank you. We're thank so you. excited. We're so excited. I'm Brandy, excited. Brandy was just talking about how we've been getting like <laughs> messages like, yo girls, don't they a star part two. You guys kept promising part two. Where's part two? I'm like, this is why we need a part two because Susan is so busy being a boss lady and taking over the world that it is hard to just get some time with her. So thank you so much for your time, Susan, because I'm just dying to hear the rest of your story. You know, what's funny is I don't even remember what, where did we leave off? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> okay. So this is it. I think where we left off was you won the pageant. You won, but there was a debate as to whether or not you were going to be able to go to New York to take that job. So I think just for you guys listening real quick, we're going to wrap up the end of that so that there's a nice button on the end of it. And then we're going to get fully into marriage and motherhood and business because there's so many great takeaways there. So can you explain, did you go to New York? How long were you there? What happened? And then we're going to get right into to how you met your husband. Yeah. So I, uh, so, okay. Went to Miss America, competed, I met some beautiful people. Some of my best friends to this day were from Miss America. Um, after that was over, uh, like two weeks later, I packed up all of my stuff and I moved to New York City, started my career as a news reporter. Turns out I hated it, being a local news reporter. So I spent a year doing it. And then that's where it really took a turn. Like my, my career really changed and that's where like we find me where I am now. And that's because um, I quit and I took a job at Forbes magazine. And that's when they were starting off their dot-com. And this was when like being on, a, on the dot-com side of a magazine was really embarrassing, yeah. right? Like nobody wanted mm -hmm. that. Like 2003, 2004, um, YouTube wasn't even owned by Google yet. Like it was in the process of happening at that time. But like, that's really where, you know, like online content was at. So Forbes.com was starting up. I took that job. Um, I was doing like double time. I was um, a writer for them. I was a lifestyle reporter and I was covering like health and beauty and fitness. Um, and then I was also uh, helping them start up, start up their video content. So this is lifestyle video online. And it was terrible. It was worse than like college. <laughs> and we still had like dial up. Like it was like, <laughs> like we'd like be waiting for it to go. And it was bad quality. It was terrible. Um, so fast forward to now, I, I worked basically in New York City for about like, five and a half years. And I, um, after Forbes.com went to People Magazine. And while I was working at People Magazine, I was also working, I was working two full-time jobs. I was also working for a nonprofit called Boys Town. Um, and it was partially, I think there was this need in me because I partially became a news reporter because I wanted to be able to help people and tell their stories and everything. And I think when I got into the news, it was this hard reality that they just, you know, they just wanted things that were going to sell on television, right? Like the salacious, like, yeah. uh, you know, if it bleeds, it leads kind of stuff, right? Like that was the whole thing. But the, the skill I got from being at a news reporter was I was a one man band. So mm -hmm. I shoot, edit, produce all of it, all at one time. And it was in a crunch. So when I got to Forbes.com and had to do video for them, that was like a luxury because we were putting up content. You know, like I remember feeling stressed about having one major article that was a really well-researched article and two, you know, short blog post type, you know, <laughs> articles for Forbes.com and then having four videos a week or something. Wow. And I was stressed about that. But then, <laughs> you know, like fast forward to now and it's like mm. people have to put out like 18 articles a day, you know, like that kind of thing. So, you know, it was a luxury back then. Um, wow. So that really set me up basically for what I do now. Um, you know, I moved to New York. I, I moved from New York City because I was in this up and down roller coaster relationship for like four mm. years. Oh, um, wow. and in New York city, you know, like you can live like a block away from your, your ex essentially. And like, always be worried that you're going to run into your ex. Like if you're, you're like trying to avoid the streets that, you know, <laughs> he goes on when he's walking to the subway and stuff like that, you know? <laughs> um, so it's finally like this relationship isn't healthy for me. I need to, I need to change. I need to get out of here. Um, so LA seemed like the next best thing. I was already working for people magazine. So, you know, why not just pick up and move to Los Angeles working with People Magazine. Okay, so uh, you were able to take the job that you were doing in New York and just do it in LA. So it was a location move, but it wasn't like a full career shutdown. Yeah, exactly. It kind of was because I had that 
full-time job also with um, Boys Town, which, you know, in nonprofit, you're not like going to become a rich, wealthy person, right? Like you're not, you're not Mm -hmm. doing that, but it's still like two different salaries that I was getting um, that equaled, you know, a lot more pay. So I felt like I was really kind of like making it. I'm like 28 years old at the time and I'm making six figures, right? Total. So it felt a little scary to quit that job and then, you know, and, and I'm going as a freelancer to a new office, which, you know, I didn't even realize the politics that happened in two different bureaus, right? Like there's the main office in New York city where I'm like, you know, the golden child, my, my editor loved me. She could count on me to like get any story. Right. And then I moved to LA and it turns out, even though you are like the golden child in the New York office in the LA office, they're like, who, who is this bitch? And were you going to be doing on camera in LA? No, not doing anything on camera at that point. And I didn't want to do anything on camera. I was so over it after being in the pageants and the news, all of that. And people telling me how I needed to look and sound and, you know, all of that kind of stuff. And um, and I'd been really disheartened because uh, there was a little chunk, there's a little story that I think is important. Please. It's a story that stays with me to this day. Um, I got this close to becoming an MTV news reporter, like which, this close while I was Which is major, work. especially back then. What? That's all I wanted, right? Like that was what I was gunning for. And yeah. there were a lot of, there were like a series of events that led to this. And I, you know, found myself in front of the news director, his name at the time was Ocean McAdams, um, which he's like at Vox now or something. He's like the president there or something. Um, But sitting in front of him and he's like, I'm interested in you. Like, you know, and I think, you know, I had the vibe going, right? Like I'm this kind of mixed kid, like mixed girl. Um, I'd been in production. I'd been in online, you know, uh, I'd been on news and like online and doing all this kind of stuff. It was interesting to him but he was really hung up on my news reporter voice. Like I'm Susan, you're reporting from blah, blah. You know, like that's, I had gotten trained to have Mm -hmm. that news reporter like voice and feel and everything. And they were working at Forbes.com because it's an older, I mean, it's like old white dudes that were reading Forbes.com and watching Forbes.com. Right. So, so I had that vibe going and I was proud of it because I'd worked really hard to get that. Right. But Ocean, I'm sitting there, you know, in his office um, at MTV and he's like, you know, the thing I can't get over is you have the news reporter voice and I don't know if that's going to fly. Like people aren't liking that anymore, especially as we get into the online stuff. He's like, people want more casual. He's like, I know like the old MTV news reporters had that cadence and everything of the news reporter, but he's like, it's not working anymore. It's not where we're going. Right. And I remember being like, what, you know, but we continue negotiations and all that kind of stuff. I even got, um, you know, it's like, it's true what they say, right? Like you can go your career, like you're trying hard to get an agent and do all that stuff. And then the minute you've got like a really good opportunity, an agent will definitely drop in your lap. So like, I'm finding myself talking to somebody from William Morris and like, so true. It's so true. I remember when I booked the um, E show with Kristen, I literally like, I had had the same manager who I still have Norm, who I love dearly. And it was like, he got a call from every agent in town wanting to meet. And can I just say that they, it has, to this day been the most useless relationships I've ever had because it was like when you have stuff going on they're there when you really need them because you have nothing they're like so sorry I got another one I mean like it's so funny gosh that is so true so you were like a hot yeah. I mean, it's just the industry like, it's like when you go out of town you get booked on jobs yeah exactly <laughs> it's like you know I, I had wanted a, it's like everyone keep, kept telling me I needed to get a big agent at one of these big agencies, you know, like CAA or William Morris, it's now William Morris Endeavor. And by the way, I'm now with William Morris Endeavor. <laughs> so yes. go figure also, uh, again, busy. So, yeah. you know, uh, and not that I don't love them. I love them. Don't get me wrong, but it, it's the, it's the irony there. Right. So, um, everything seems like it's going the way I want it to go. And it's that last like crunch where we're trying to negotiate and Ocean sits me down in his office again. And he's like, I'm really, I, he's like, I really dig you, Susan. I think there's, there's definitely something to you. Like there, there's something that, that could be big. It's like, I can't shake this reporter voice though. And he's like, you're, you can't do it. Like I kept trying to send him new videos where I'm not doing the reporter voice. Right. Oh my gosh. And he's like, you're still doing the reporter voice. And you're not going to shake it. He's like, it's the hardest thing to shake from somebody. So I didn't get the job. Like it was like a month of us like trying to playing this dance. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it just, it didn't happen. So then everything went away. 
the William Morris agent went away. Like everything just kind of just went like in a second. The minute he said, Ocean said, not going to take you as a news reporter, it was over, right? Like all of that was gone. Um, but I had the People Magazine job uh, pop up pretty quickly. Uh, I quit at Forbes, went to People Magazine, took the job at Boys Town. And it was this amazing, you know, like in your mid to late 20s, it's an amazing kind of life to live because at night I've got this like endless budget at the time, endless People Magazine budget where I'm going to like huge parties, you know, pre, you know, previews of or premieres of all these huge movies and stuff. And it's glamorous to be on the red carpet. And, you know, it was like the heyday of it, right? Like I could spend a thousand dollars at a restaurant just because, you know, Beyonce and Jay-Z are sitting at the table next to me. And my report, my editor's texting me being like, you're not going anywhere. You sit there and you watch, order another dessert. You're on your fifth dessert, stay there. Drink more wine. Tell your friend to order whatever they want because you need to sit there and watch what Beyonce and Jay Z do. Right? Is anybody else listening <laughs> this to this is right so now? Cool. So yeah. jealous at the thought that like that could be a job. Like right now, I'm like I would pay someone else money to do that to <laughs> eavesdrop on Beyonce and Jay Z and drink wine. Like who do I have to pay? I'll pay. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Like I, it was like I had essentially a tab at like the most you know, like the most popular restaurants and bars, like Gramercy Park Hotel, I was at all the time. And like, you know, uh, they were just, you know, the Carlisle Hotel, I'd go and just have drinks at the jazz club, you know, <laughs> like, if I need to get a room, I'm gonna book a room that night, you know, like, that but th this was like such a special time in LA, like that you say yeah, well, the heyday. Yeah. Oh, I thought you were York, talking about though. when you came to LA. No, this was still New York. So this is so, so. Okay. Fast forward. So this is neat. New York was awesome. So New York was so much fun. I was really freaking popular because I had this endless budget at night and I could get in anywhere. And I also did, you know, during the daytime, I was also helping children. Right. So it was like the best time ever to be in my twenties. Um, so this, this relationship was like the only thorn in my side. So I, I'm like, okay, I need to move. It's going to be fine. Going to LA, have my people magazine job. It's going to be great. Get to LA. It's not that great. Like it turns out to be like, I'm kind of struggling <laughs> for some money because I'm not getting, I'm a freelancer. I'm not getting, you know, any real gigs. I'm starting to talk to like the competitor magazines like Us Weekly. Um, you know, there was a, a dot com that I don't even know if it still exists called Hollywood Life that was starting up mm -hmm. that I was like trying to work at too. And it was a mess there. It was terrible. Mm -hmm. um, uh, but, you know, it was, it was just not working out. There was, um, and then there's this little thing, right? Like I've always got like a thousand things going on. I'm that kind of a person. You ladies are the same, you know, like I always have all these little uh, gigs and like, you know, ideas happening when it comes to your career. Uh, so in the background, right before I'd left New York City, I um, had partnered up with these two guys to start a company called Free Beauty Samples. And it was essentially this concept of, you know, all these beauty brands have tons and tons of samples that they make for consumers, right? Like you get them in your magazines and all that kind of stuff. And you, you don't know what the return is. You don't know if like people are using these or if they're tossing them and if they're using them, liking the product, going to the store and buying them or order, ordering online. Like there was no tracking of what mm -hmm. happens to all these samples that go out. So we were like, you know what? We just need to know if people use the samples and if they, if you get sales from these samples, right? So the concept was we would send out free samples, beauty samples to anybody who signed up. And at the time, Facebook was trying to like really capture everybody. They still are, but they were really working on this whole thing where they're bringing everybody into Facebook. You could never leave Facebook if you want. Like you could purchase on Facebook. You could watch content on Facebook. You could, you know, leave reviews for brands and stuff on Facebook. And they've sort of gotten there, but this was like really new back then, right? Um, and so they allowed us to create uh, app within Facebook, which sounds crazy because they don't do that stuff now. <laughs> like no. they're full control. Wow. Um, so it, it was this app where you could <laughs> essentially get people Bless to you. sign up. Bless you. You could essentially get people to sign up on this app. They would get these free samples from us. And then they, the only thing that we required of them was to come back and leave reviews for these, these products. They could also go to the Facebook pages of these brands. Um, and it was such a new, th I remember it was like, it went crazy. There were like bad reviews 
for some of these brands at the time. And I remember, you know, some of them being like, oh my God, you need to help us with this. We, we don't know what to do. And I'm like, no, this is the beauty of social media is you can click on the person who left the review and you'll be able to like see what their skin type is or their hair and then respond to them and give them amazing customer service. So it was so Smart. scary at the time. Well, can I ask real quick, because I'm, I'm wondering whether, as we're doing this, I'm wondering whether we just go into business and end off with marriage and motherhood, because we're sort of getting sure. there right yeah. now. Um, you okay with that, Brandy? Switch yeah. it up a little bit? Okay. So I, I just want to ask, was that your, not the concept of this business, but the fact that they could look at the person, offer great customer service, was that your idea or was yeah. that, that's a, that's a genius idea, because that does really feel way before its time where you're using social media in its, in the best way, you know, in the way that helps people the most, because it's like this targeted, the ability to see a bigger slice of your life, uh, allows us to actually help you in a bigger way. I mean, what, what a smart, the fact that you even had the forethought that you could do that, because I feel like when social media came out, people were so hesitant about using it for anything other than like the yearbook. Yeah. of connecting with all people and the fact that you thought of it in such a strong business sense. So you started this company, people didn't have to pay to get the samples. No, no. It was and just I like a club. Think, yeah. It's, and I still think that's the key. Um, I mean, so to like kind of condense the story, the business didn't work out. Timing is a big deal, right? This was just a year too soon because yeah. fast forward a year later, after I'd already quit this, this company and you know, there are a lot of other lessons that I learned for my current business too. Um, but, uh, but fast forward a year and we have Birchbox yep. and Birchbox blew up, right? And it was essentially the same concept, but a paid membership, which yeah. still doesn't work out. And actually a friend of mine started another company uh, pretty soon after I'd started free beauty samples called Influencer. Um, oh. And that's where they essentially took the Birchbox concept and the free beauty sample, samples concept and merged it. And they started collect, so they weren't charging but they were collecting all of the information that they were getting from all these people that got the samples and they're making all of the people, all the brands pay for the samples to get sent out. So they like really worked out all the details because Birchbox obviously didn't really make it the way that they planned either. And obviously mine didn't make it as well. So there was like a better way to do it. And I think Influencer was the company that figured that out, right? That's um, so interesting. But I learned a lot. Yeah. What yeah. was, what I learned was, a lot. There's the, you know, that you can definitely be ahead of your time and it doesn't work. What was the biggest lesson you think you learned there that's applying now to how you're, you're running your business now? Uh, how you work. There were two lessons that I really, really learned. One, you have to commit your all to your business, right? Like you cannot be working your daytime job and then decide that you're gonna actually start a company that's truly gonna become a huge company. You can definitely have like a side company yes. that's like a little bit more of like a hobby and if it starts to do well, then you really quit your job and then you go to that. But if you're gonna go like really like go hard with it, you commit to it. Like there's no like dipping your toes yeah. into both mm -hmm. unless you have business partners or a business partner that will, that will 100% be committed to it. Like somebody needs to be 100% committed to this business that you're starting. Right. Um, and none of us, when we started free beauty samples, were a hundred percent committed. Yeah. Like I was probably the most committed and I was like 60% committed. And then we had, it was three of us. And then we had another guy who his company handled all the, um, you know, like the graphics, the creating the app, the, the relationship with Facebook, all that stuff. <clears throat> I had like the relationship with the beauty brands and I was like the face of it where I'm like, you know, talking to all the, the members and stuff. And then we had the one guy who just did shit. Like it was essentially his idea. Like he's the one that kind of like put the, the like little bug in our ear about like that samples weren't, uh, you know, like getting anywhere. And he'd yeah. come over from Boots from the UK. And so he really had a good sense of what was happening on the brand side of beauty brands. Right. But like, he just didn't do his side at all. And that just crushed the business because if you have one person not participating the way all of you are participating, there's resentment, there's hate. Like you just start being like, well then fine. There's passive aggressiveness. It just, it turns terrible. Right. And we also didn't have a very clear cut idea of like, um, like we didn't have anything on paper, right? Like the business stuff. Right. We were like friends doing this together and just trusting each other. And that's all good until things get really serious. Right. 
Mm -hmm. um, so there, those were my lessons really. Like it, it was just not going to work out. It just wasn't, it was always set up to fail. Right. How did the, the passion for beauty and skincare come into play so strongly that you decided to start a business? Because, you know, as I'm hearing your story, I keep thinking of someone that's excited about human interest stories, being a journalist, you know, you went from hard news being on camera and then out of nowhere, it's like, I'm going to start a beauty brand, beauty brand. Yeah. Um, I think beauty was always kind of like the underlying, uh, topic that I always gravitated to, right? Like I worked at the Clinique counter, I joined the pageants. I, you know, when I was reporting for Forbes.com and doing like health and beauty and wellness, they really wanted me to focus more on health, but I tried to focus more on beauty, right? So it's like, it kind of kept coming into play. Even when I was at People Magazine, you had little bits of beauty in, you know, like I, I got to report on like beauty trends with celebrities and stuff, but I, and I always like tried to make that the focus more and it just, you know, it wasn't really happening. So free beauty samples was my first foray into like really focusing on just the beauty industry. Right. And the thing I got out of that is I got a job at totalbeauty.com. So I'd been living in LA for about six months at the time and I had already started dating my husband. So yes. I guess we can like kind of squeeze in the husband thing there. So I had this ex-boyfriend in New York city, um, moved to LA. Uh, I'm in the middle of like all this stuff with my career, right? And I decide to go to a bar. It, at the t it was called Crown Bar. I don't know if you ladies remember this place. But, no, um, in LA. I don't either. <laughs> this was in West Hollywood, Crown Bar. It was like a bar club. Like, you know what I'm saying? It was like mm -hmm. a hybrid. Yep. Um, so I go because a PR person I, I had worked with was like, oh, we're having a little birthday party if you want to stop by, like start to meet people and stuff. And I was like, okay, sounds good. Um, I tell a guy that I'm sort of like casually dating too. So I was like this serial dater. I love dating. All my girlfriends have always been like, you're like a dude. Like you can date like <laughs> five guys. You can sleep with a guy and be like, whatever, bye. You know, like that kind of thing. Like <laughs> not doing it for me, you yeah. know? So, um, so I was like still kind of talking to my ex in New York casually dating this other guy, talking to a couple of other guys. I don't even use apps. Like I was, or, well, there were no apps. I wasn't like on, you know, any dating sites or anything like that. Like I've always just been one of those people that's like, you're kind of cute. I'm an equal opportunity dater. Like I <laughs> have no type, right? So um, anyway, so I'm at this bar, this, you know, this guy is telling me that I'm casually dating and he's going to come in. He's like waiting in line to get in because people still waited in lines and stuff to like get into club bars. <laughs> and so I'm waiting at the door for him to come in. And my husband, who I don't know at the time, walks up to me and he's kind of like drunk and he's being like a little goofy. And I'm like, oh God, this guy, right? <laughs> So I kind of like, you can just spot them, right? Like from a yeah. mile away, the guy that's like coming over to talk to you. Yeah. You're like, wonderful. Let's yeah. have some fun. So I'm like, okay. So I kind of like turn my shoulder to him and he walks up and he's like, it looks like you're waiting for somebody. <laughs> and I'm like, I am, I'm waiting for somebody. So I like turn my shoulder a little bit more and he just kind of stands there with like a big smile on his face. And I'm like, okay, well this guy doesn't get it, <laughs> you know? Oh um, God. So he's still standing there and then he starts, I don't even remember the next question he asked me, but at this point I'm like, well, he knows I'm waiting for somebody. So I guess, where's this? It's, you know, like I can have a casual conversation with this guy while I'm waiting. And so we just start talking and everything. And he's like, whoa, you're not from LA, are you? And I was like, I just moved here from New York. And he's like, I can tell you're very forth, like you're very forthright. You just, and I'm like, and when I, when he's, when he's like referring to me being forthright, I'm essentially telling him I'm not interested in him yeah. whatsoever. You're not right? beating around the bush. You're not. Yeah. 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 Totally. Men love that. Yeah. So he's still standing there. And then, uh, you know, you see my phone light up cause there's a text message from this other guy that's about to walk in and he's like, I'm about to come in. Like, it's, you know, like second in line. <laughs> <laughs> and so, so Rune, my husband kind of like, I see him like look over at my phone screen. I'm like, excuse me. And he's like, well, it looks like Jason is about to walk in. He's like, but you, you didn't say he's your boyfriend. So can I get your number? Dude. Oh my God. Yeah. Oh my God. And I was like, uh, you know, you're kind of like taken aback. So I gave him my number because what harm, you know, there's no harm in it. And, and I'm new to LA, so why not, right? Just make friends. So I give him my number. But not everyone thinks that. I used to give out my best friend's number. 
What what a bitch, Brandy. Not everyone thinks that. Or I would just give a fake number and be like, if it's meant to be, I'll run into you again. But there was yeah, something about him. Yeah. Well, remember, I'm like, I'm pretty much a hoochie, right? Like, I'm kind of like, I'm down, right? Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm, with, I'm with you. I'm with you. <laughs> like, whatever. <laughs> we can hook up. We can maybe not hook up. Who cares? I don't care. Yeah. Um, so, so, you know, like he, he, we, we went on dates and all that kind of stuff. It was, it was still casual. Cause I was like, I'm new to LA. I don't want to get serious. And he's playing it cool. Like, Oh, cool. I'm down with that too. I want to be casual also. Um, so I'm like trying to move into my career. Fast forward a few months. My husband and I are now like getting pretty serious. Now it's like really, it's really picking up at that time. Um, sorry, my baby. I oh, can hear her. She was don't, on walk right don't worry. Don't worry. <laughs> and, uh, anyway, so, um, uh, we're getting pretty serious. And he, at this point, we're probably like six months into dating. Now I'm starting to talk to him about the struggles I'm going through with like money and everything, right? Mm. Like the freelancing stuff is a little stressful because I don't know where my next dollar is coming from, that kind of thing. I'm still making it. I still had a little bit of money I'd saved from, you know, right before I moved from New York. Well, I think um, it's also it's important to acknowledge that you were making six figures as a young 20 something and to leave that security and that excitement to pursue the unknown mm -hmm. is major. Yeah. And I know a lot of people that once they get to their thirties, like they would never do that. It's just like, heck no, I'm not going to walk away from this. And, um, that must've been really difficult when things aren't going the way that you want them to. Mm -hmm. And you're like, gosh, I had such a good gig before. Why did I leave it? Mm -hmm. And you know, like, like, listen, I wasn't broke. It was just scary to go from the security mm -hmm. to, to no security and not knowing like how it's going to, how it's going to go. And so like, I'm kind of entering, you know, once you enter like December as a freelancer, you're kind of like, uh Oh, like, where's the next gig? Am I going to get anything in the next year? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and can I just, can I just interject for a minute? For those of you, hopefully you've listened to part one, uh, because if you didn't, you missed out on the most glorious uh, storytelling. But just to, to sort of emphasize, you came from a very poor upbringing. You always have worked multiple jobs. I mean, this is the fact that you wouldn't want to slip in or even sniff slipping into that kind of a life is is makes all the sense in the world given how you were raised so for you that hustle really came from that place of growing up having that kind of upbringing not knowing what you guys were going to have you know next week next month tomorrow so just in case you guys haven't listened make sure you do go back and listen to part one because it makes all the sense in the world as to why susan is the way she is okay so continue sorry <laughs> so um so you know, my husband's like, well, what do you want to do? And I told him, I want to be a beauty editor. Like, that's all I really want to do. I want to be a beauty editor. And it doesn't, you know, at the time it didn't seem like the digital, you know, media world was really going to be in Los Angeles. So the only real place I could get a job at was totalbeauty.com. Mm -hmm. um, and I started saying that they were hiring for an associate editor, which also would be a step down from what I was doing at that point, because I'd been in the media for a while at that point. Right. But I was like, whatever, let's see if they'll hire me. Not hearing back, not hearing back. Facebook at the time was amazing because <laughs> I get in touch with the CEO uh, through Facebook, just send him a messenger uh, thing. And I tell him like, I've got this company called Free Beauty Sample. So I really understand the beauty industry. And I also have this background in media and everything. And he's like, he writes right back. He's like, love this. Like, love that you're so, I know this doesn't happen now. Like, Can you imagine <laughs> being like, dear owner of So yeah. cool. Yeah. Okay. Um, <laughs> like I kind of like stalked him too, right? Like he had a lot of stuff about like total beauty and his vision and all that kind of stuff online. And so I, you know, like you take those words and you put it into your message. Like we've got the same vision. Yeah. <laughs> Genius. Yeah. <laughs> So, so he's, so again, you know, like, he's like, men are so easy to manipulate, right? You're just like, you're like I, this is, I see what you're doing. I match you. <laughs> and they're like, this is your idea. You're a genius. But really it's like, no, I'm just telling you what you want to hear because this is your idea. Genius. So anyway, um, so I think he, he ends up telling like their editorial director, we need to hire Susan which was a bad way to come into the company in hindsight, because she's kind of like, I've been yeah. interviewing all these people. I have my favorite picks already. And you're telling me you're hi we're hiring this person because you said, right? Yeah. So it set a bad tone because I, I got into the company without really 
you know, like I still went through like interview, uh, editorial test, all that kind of stuff, proved myself. But she already had this feeling about me where she was like, this wasn't my choice, mm -hmm. yeah. you know? So I, I was there for like four months, maybe six months. I don't even know. And it was miserable. It was miserable because it was now at that point where all the online publications were trying to bust out as many pieces of article, like as many articles as possible in one day, right? So I'd be like up until midnight and I was handling a lot of the sponsored content. So writing a lot of the sponsored content, which is even more difficult because you're trying to please the sponsors, but also yeah. sound like, you know, you're an authority and also giving true information and all that stuff. Right. Um, so I'd come home miserable and I'm making PS $40,000 a year. Right. So this is like, yeah. really for me, it's like putting my ego aside and being like, okay, I don't care that I was making six figures. And I was like at the top of my game at People Magazine, I'm at this little startup that who knows who, yeah. if anybody cares about it. And I'm making $40,000 and they treat me like shit, right? Um, so so, I, you, so yeah. you leave after four months. I, I'm, I'm only going to push it because yeah. there's, well, there's so much. Because guess what? I get a job at Pop Sugar. Oh! Yay! how we came into knowing each other yeah so <laughs> oh i get a job um so uh, you know total beauty they like had no i like they really had no idea what my background was in media and stuff they just didn't care whatsoever so i'm you know it turns out pop sugar you know i know nothing about it at the time they've got their video studios in los angeles and i didn't know that right i thought they were in san francisco but a friend sends me um uh, a, a job listing. She's like, Oh, this sounds like you, a beauty on camera personality. That's what they're looking for. Mm -hmm. So I come in for an audition and they hire me. Like, it's just, it was really pretty simple. It was like, they did these like blind tests and they hire me. And, um, I come in and like the YouTube channel had like 3000 subscribers or something. They're still trying to like figure out what they're doing. There's one girl who, uh, her name is Zelana. She's like, bopping around from being like in beauty and in, in wellness and stuff. So she's kind of covering both. Dr. Channels. Z for all you loyal listeners. Yeah. Dr. <laughs> Z. Amazing. Oh I feel gosh. like pop sugar is like the Mickey mouse club. Like the, it totally <laughs> is. Absolutely. A great little stepping stone. Yeah. I love that. How long um, were you at pop sugar? Just a year. One really? year. Yes. Because this is where timing matters, right? Timing of everything, right? So when I started my online career, my digital media career, nobody wanted to have anything to do with it, right? And when I started that first year at Pop Sugar, I think it was the first year where people were starting to, t to pay attention to online media, right? Mm -hmm. They're really like, there's something here. So I happened to be at the height of it. I'd like been in it for a few years already. And now suddenly it's starting to become a big deal. And I'm actually like the, you know, they didn't know to pop sugar, but I'm getting like hit with like offers and stuff like, oh, you know how to do online camera stuff. Like, you know how to be online, be on camera. You know how to produce all the digital content. You know how to write digital content. You've worked on blogs and digital websites wow. and stuff. Like there's all these like qualities that they're looking for that nobody else has because they've all been like in the public, like the traditional publishing world. Yeah. Um, or so, if they're on camera, they're just used to being like a talking head, a spokesperson, yeah. someone that just memorizes talking points. So you're giving them like the entire experience. Yeah, exactly. So you're getting poached. Who do you get poached by? So New Beauty Magazine comes to me and they're like, we are starting, we just bought Fred Siegel. And they're like, we have this concept where we're going to start a new beauty uh, concept store. It's like an incubator for beauty brands. Um, and we want to have new beauty live happening from the store at all times. Right. And I was like, this concept's not going to work. <laughs> like I just took a look at your website and your social media and it's essentially non-existent. And they're like, you love a challenge. You're Susan Yara. What did you do there? Yeah. Yeah. Well, actually though, I was ready to be a little comfy because like I'm starting to kind of nest with a rune at that point. Like we're getting really serious and everything. And I had just left Total Beauty, which I hated so much. I didn't love Pop Sugar in all honesty, but I didn't hate the job, right? Like it felt fun. People were like excited to know that I was doing this with Pop Sugar and stuff. So, you know, it, it didn't feel like a place that I was ready to like jump ship yet. Like I wasn't like, I got to get out of here the way I was at Total Beauty. Um, so I, I essentially said that to them. And there's like, you know, there's, there's a there's some pride and like joy when you're like in a comfy position at a job because whenever somebody's asking you if you want to join them, you're like, 
What are you going to give me? Yeah, (laughs) the best. Just that sense of confidence and security. Like, I don't have to leave. So if you really want me, you either need to pay or give me something I'm not getting right now. Mm -hmm. Exactly. So, um, you know, I'm planning my wedding at this point too, by the way. Like, so in the midst of all of this. You get engaged. Yeah. And, you know, my, my husband in those like two jobs, right? Like they were, neither of them were really high paying jobs, but he really was like, you want to be a beauty editor. You have to take two steps back to make a step forward. Like that whole thing. He's like, you do it. Don't worry. And it's not even like he was making a shit ton of money, right? Like he's just like kind of mid career at that point. So he's not making a ton of money, but whatever. It's just us. What does your husband do? He's an attorney. Got it. Okay. So he's, so he's already, it's the same career. He's just not at a place where he's like, I'm a lawyer. Hey, like, yeah, well, he, yeah, not, he's, yeah, he's not like, you know, I've right. got money and everything. He's like, mm, I'm still being told what to do. Yeah. And, but he has a steady job and you're a freelancer. So he's yeah. like, I have a steady job. The bills yeah. are going to get paid. You yes. keep pursuing your passions. Yeah. That's beautiful. Like we're not going to be living How in- big of a role do you think that relationship and that support getting, you know, from your husband, even early on when you're just a girlfriend, how, how big was that in ultimately like being where you are now? I mean, obviously it was huge. Like it's, it's when I look back on it, um, it, it would have been really hard. It would have been much, much harder. And I probably would have had to, um, keep like a daytime job and dabble. And I don't know if it would have worked. You know, it's that dabbling wouldn't have worked. And I think I would have just gone ahead even without my husband. I I say this to him all the time. I'm like, whether you were there or not, I was going to do all the things that I did because I needed to, like, it was just the way it was going to be, but I definitely didn't struggle as hard. Right. But because we weren't like wealthy, right. He was, you know, I remember he even said this to me. He's like, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to be here for you. And I, I, I support you and everything. Um, but he grew up with like very traditional, he's Indian. It's very traditional. You doesn't, it doesn't matter if you have dreams, like let's be realistic. It's more the way that they approach things. So for them, they were like you, his parents were like, you need to become an attorney or a doctor or something, you know, something like that. Very straightforward and secure. So he became an attorney Um, And so like this life that I was living and the way that I approached my career was not a thing to him. Like he was definitely like, what the hell is this girl doing? But I'm going to entertain this. Right. And his mom, I remember always being like, this is curious. You know, like, what do you mean? This is what you're doing. This is curious. (laughs) What a a perfect way of saying it. This is curious. I love that so much. So, So, um, So at what point, at what point do you end up creating, how does mixed makeup come into your life? Like at what point does all of the experience that you have create this project that has, is now fully what you're doing, has been super successful, this huge YouTube channel, all of the products, like jump forward how we get there. Yeah. So, um, new beauty hired me. Finally, they gave me everything I wanted. The first two years went beautifully. I, redid their website, started up all their social media, started up their YouTube channel, did all that. And it was going really well because there was truly no other online beauty publication just focused on that and really going hard. But when you're working at somebody else's company, if you are one of those people that's not happy with, like if you feel like you've got ideas and they're not going with it, you can either sit there and complain, right? Or you can decide if you really do think that you can do it better, do it. Yeah. Right. So that's what I decided. Everything that I picked up from being at pop sugar at total beauty at uh, new beauty um, at, you know, just Forbes people, all of it. I was like, I can do this. Everybody wants to do this on low budget. Like nobody wants to give me any money to do this. They're just like, make it happen. And I've been able to make this happen. I can do that. If we don't have money, then I can go have no money and do it myself. Right. Yeah. So so I started up, so I, my whole idea with mixed makeup was that what I learned at New Beauty was there's this contingent of women, right? There's this demographic of women who are like between the ages of 25 to 40, who are definitely online, but they don't like subscribe to YouTube channels. They don't necessarily like follow a lot of people. What they do is they Google, right? Like they mm. will search for whatever it is that they're looking for, whether it's like a recipe or a review on a product or a review on a, you know, treatment, mm-hmm. plastic surgery, Botox, any of that kind of stuff, right? 
Um, and everyone's ignoring them. Like with YouTube, everybody was focused on the 12 year olds at the yeah. time, especially, right? And they still kind of are with social media, but there's this viewer, this demographic that has all the money that makes all the purchasing decisions in the homes and they're not being catered to. And every time I'd speak to like a potential investor, because at first I thought that's the route I wanted to go was like get an investor, start a little media company, right? Telling them about my idea. I quit my job in February at New Beauty. And by the way, all of these jobs I'm quitting at, they're like, no, 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 no. We don't want you to go. Wait, what do you mean you're leaving? Right. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it's like, I know they know. They knew. They knew I was gonna go do something and they were pissed about it. Every single job I left in all <laughs> um that that just goes to show don't treat your employees like shit. <laughs> but yeah, and believe in yourself. And also, you know, believing in yourself is is half the battle. That's for damn sure. Yeah, for so sure. you decide not to work with an investor. On no, because they're yet. laughing at me. They're like, I'm at this point, like 31, which gosh, I would love to be 31 again and know what I know now. But yeah. uh, they're like, you're a little old for <laughs> YouTube. Right. And it's all a bunch of dudes in Silicon Valley who mm -hmm. I'm talking to. I'm like, I guess appreciative that they're taking my calls. Right. But they're like, you should not be the only person on your channel. Like you need to find young people for your channel, which I'm kind of like, I get it, but you're missing the point. I'm saying that if you create yeah. the content that is catered, catered towards, like it's gotta be high quality, it's gotta be produced, there's gotta be more of like, it's gotta feel like TV, right? Yes, yes. They wanna watch some girl in their bedroom talking to their computer, right? They want to actually see something that they would watch on television and have information that caters to them. So I'm like, I'm 31. I actually get wrinkles and stuff, which pfft, I was not getting wrinkles back then compared to now. <laughs> but, uh, but I'm telling them this. I'm like, listen, there are like skincare brands and stuff that don't have somebody to, to like do the content for them because all there is is like 21 year olds who don't at all know what aging is, don't yeah. know what hyperpigmentation and wrinkles are. And we're not, we're not satisfying that need for them. And nobody was getting it. So I'm, I'm like, whatever, I'm going to do this myself. Because at this point on YouTube, the beauty space was just beauty tutorials, right? It was like the makeup There wasn't looks. even really anything, right? Like makeup. Like pop sugar yeah. was dominating. Like yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So but, so, but just meaning that the space online was focused more on the makeup and application and how to do this as opposed to the overall actual skincare and those products. So like that, that product space had no voice really mm -hmm. in, okay. And not just it. that, plastic surgery too, like Botox and fillers and laser treatments and stuff. Like you didn't see a lot of high quality content around that besides like essentially like salacious, you know, like botched up plastic yeah. surgery mm -hmm. video, uh, shows on TV and stuff. Right. Yeah. So it's, it's like, people want to know, should I get Botox? Is it going to make me look like a crazy person? Yeah. Um, so I approached one of my girlfriends, Sherzad, and I'm like, we're not really even friends at this time. Like we, we just kind of knew each other. She approached me at a beauty conference right before I was about to start new beauty and or start at new beauty. And she walked up to me at a beauty conference, handed me a folder with her headshot and a resume and said, I saw that you're leaving pop sugar and I'd like your job. Oh, I, <laughs> I fucking love her. Oh that, my gosh. I'm sitting there like, uh, great. Good for you. Like I'm leaving, but I was, I had stuck around for an extra month to help them do some casting and stuff for my position. Um, but, uh, another girl named Annie Tomlin was at the conference too. So I just like handed her all of Charzad's stuff and everything, but I always kept it in mind. Cause I was like, that was really ballsy of her. Like the way she came up to me too, if you know Charzad's personality, she was very like, are you Susan Yara? Hi, I like your job. I want your job. I'm perfect for the job. Here's my stuff. Give me a call. You know, like, <laughs> oh my God. I'm wow. <laughs> so I always kept that in mind. And I think, um, you know, I'd run into her at like events and stuff and she'd kind of be like, Oh, like I haven't heard from this girl. Like, does she think I'm weird now? So one day I was like, you're Charzad, right? And she's like, yeah. And we became friends because she realized like I was, I didn't, I wasn't affected by that. If anything, I thought she was awesome, you know? Yeah. So, um, and especially in Los Angeles, like people just, yeah, this weird world of like, you go to events and like, no one's talking to you, even though you've met like seven times, you know, that kind of thing. Like that was a whole new thing to me too. From New York city, it's not like that whatsoever there. Um, and so Sharzad was like refreshing to me. Um, and so anyway, uh, so I asked Sharzad, I, I, I message her and like, I just started mixed makeup. I have this idea for a show. Like I think I could do it, but it'd be so much more fun if I had someone like you to like 
you know, do this with because you have so much more energy. I had this whole news reporter thing going on that apparently doesn't work online, like that kind of thing. Yeah. I was like, so we'll balance each other. And she's like, I'd love to. So we start a show called The Sass, right? So it's The Sass and it stands for The Susan and Charzad Show or The Charzad and Susan Show, however you want to call it, right? And the whole thing is that we're just going out in Los Angeles and trying all the treatments that we know that people in Hollywood are doing, right? Love it. <clears throat> So, so we thought that, and then my show where I'm like reviewing beauty products, mostly skincare, but some makeup because that's still popular. Some so hair. She's not talent for your company. She yes. didn't, you know, she's not part of the company. You no, just hired, I hired her. her. I hired her as talent. Like I didn't have a lot of money, but I offered her a little something. And I was like, you know, you know, let's make this an official contract that remember, right? Like it's yeah. cool to be friends, but let's make an official contract. So we came up with like a contract that we were both satisfied with. That way in the future, if things change, we've got a contract. Here you go. Like this is what we decided on. We were both happy at the time. Like not, let's not be awkward. And I think that was like the best thing I ever did with her because we're still really good friends to this day. And you know, like even with like, you know, mixed makeup got bigger and bigger and we don't really have the sass right now, especially with the pandemic. I don't think she's unhappy, right? Like I don't think yeah. she's sitting around being like, well, this is, you know, shit show now, you know? So how long has mixed makeup been around? And can you just kind of share all of your numbers, how many subscribers you have, the brands you've worked with, because, you know, we've talked about the show that you've done, your YouTube channel, but you also work behind the camera. And so you've been able to work with clients to create really amazing native and sponsored content. So where are we today from like little Susan Yara in New Mexico with like dreams of being a journalist and now you are CEO of a company and we haven't even touched on the skincare line. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so mixed makeup is six years old as of this year. Um, we have collectively with all of our social media. So that's with YouTube, um, with, uh, Instagram, everything like that. We're about at 2 million followers, like 2 million viewers total. Um, I think we're averaging like tens of millions of views total. It's like, you know, it's like millions and I can't even, I That's need to like- so amazing. At this point where I'm not even tracking it because it doesn't even matter, right? It's like, we're doing really well. Um, and I went ahead and focused on skincare at some point. I was like, ah, oh, you know, I think sometime when I became a mom, I was like, all that really matters. Like I didn't have time to go and do full face of makeup today because that's just not realistic, especially with work and with kids, right? Um, so you have to pick and choose the things that you're going to focus on. I focused on skincare because that's what I was actually interested in and, um, started sort of like just going for it, you know, like kind of switched up the content. Charzad was going through a lot, um, in the last couple of years with like her mom and everything. And, you know, so she, I think she took a little bit of a different turn with her career and like a soul searching kind of you know, way. You have the team that I've met since the beginning. So you have your core group. I'm assuming, did you take out a small business loan to start a company so you could oh. have a producer and camera equipment and an entire production studio? Um, because those great... people have been with you the last yeah. five, six so years. Yeah. So I'd say like, um, the first couple of years, I only had like $10,000 to my name as far as like in savings. And, um, and that like went far, you know, like we, I was lucky because I already knew it, that there were, there were these brands that wanted high quality content. I already knew they wanted it, right? When I said I was starting Mixed Makeup, I was already getting approached without seeing my content, without seeing Mixed Makeup. I already had these relationships. Estee Lauder was our first sponsor. And that was, uh, they sponsored me a month before our launch. Like they oh. didn't even see the content. They were like, we need it, you know? Um, God. So that was, I mean, that's honestly what was, I, and honestly, like timing, it all matters, right? So when I look back on that, it's like they gave me money. I was able to hire my first employee who's still with me to this day. She's our head producer. Um, I took her from New Beauty and I'm lucky that I got to do that because I'd already trained her, right? Um, so she was like, it was like amazing to bring her over with me. So I had essentially like two people on my team. Um, and I made zero money myself. Any money I got from Estee Lauder, I gave to them, right? Wow. Um, and it wasn't a lot. Don't get me wrong. Like I think between two of them, I think I got like a total of twenty-five or thirty thousand dollars that year. That's what I made, and I split it between the two people that were working with me. And um, how did you? How did how did the growth happen? So like for anybody listening who let's say is wanting to start something, whether it's going to be something on YouTube, it's going to be a maybe a Facebook watch show, an Instagram, whatever it is. 
at what point, and, and I know you're saying obviously that the timing matters, the content matters, the connections matter. These things all matter and are very specific to each person. But was there a like, don't, you know, don't get stressed at your numbers until X. Like things didn't really grow until just for people to kind of grasp onto some sort of understanding. Well, so when it comes to YouTube, what I knew about YouTube from working at other companies, including Pop Sugar and New Beauty, um, was that there are there's a little bit of a formula when it comes to YouTube because YouTube is a search engine. Like that is the most important thing to remember about YouTube. It is the second largest search engine after Google, and it's also owned by Google. So SEO matters, search engine optimization matters. It still matters to this day, and it's still a big part of my company. Um, so. Uh, that was something I knew really well from being in digital publishing, right? Um, and so we decided to focus on YouTube. Yeah, we had Instagram. Yeah, we had Facebook. But we were going to just casually post there and really go hard on YouTube and focus, right? Um, so that was that was key. And I knew that, you know, like the first thousand followers that you get, subscribers that you get, that's a big milestone. And then the next big milestone is not 4,000, it's not 7,000, it's 10,000, right? Because everything grows on social media exponentially, especially at the time and especially when it comes to YouTube, right? So when you start to actually see those types of numbers, um, you can actually start to see, you can actually almost like measure out if you keep doing what you're doing and learn how to pivot and focus on what is being searched. What is being searched is still a huge deal for my business right now. Um, and so when you're paying attention to search trends, you can really tailor your content. And so right, you can anticipate what they're looking for. And because you call the shots and you have your team, you can say, we need to focus on this, change out programming and get it up ASAP. Yeah, exactly. Even like the length of our videos, we started off with one to two minute long videos and that was long on YouTube. Now yep. YouTube, they want you to like be episodic and like, they want you to have 30 minutes, 40 minutes, the longer you can go and keep the attention of your viewers, the better, right? Yeah. Like, it, yeah, because this, for, for everyone listening who doesn't know, one of the most important metrics that you measure is AVD, it's average view duration. And it's how long is your average viewer watching your video? The longer it is, the more it's communicating to YouTube that this is good content. It's mm -hmm. not just the clicks because there used to be a time when it was however many views it got which calculates a view early, you know, it's, it's early on in the video, it counts as a view, but they were like spam videos, they were misleading, the title and the thumbnail wasn't real and they realized that, so it switched over to AVD being one of the most important metrics. Yeah, yeah. so that means your quality, your qual the quality of your content matters. Yeah. You need to get people to not just click on your video, but they need to stick around and watch the video. So you need to give them content that they will actually watch or it ruins you now on, on YouTube. If people click on it and then they're like out in like two seconds, that's bad for you. The algorithm is going to be like, no, nah, nobody wants to watch this. This is clickbait done, right? Yep. You can have a combination of clickbait to get them to click on it, but then you better have some content that brings it and makes people want to stick around and watch it. So these are, you know, looking at your metrics is super important when it comes to something like YouTube because it tells you what's working and how to pivot. And, right? and once you decided to focus your content on skincare, it only seems natural that as you're reviewing all these amazing skincare lines and working with skincare brands and experiencing it for yourself as a woman in her 30s, you decide, I can do this better. Was it, was it again, one of those moments where you're like, okay, I keep trying these products. They're good, but I like stuff from this brand. I like stuff from this. Like, wait a second. I think I'm ready to go ahead and start my own skincare line. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I had zero intention, even just like at the beginning of last year in 2019, I was like, no, I don't want to do this again. Like Susan, calm down. Like, don't do this. You're living like a nice little life right now. Things are starting to like, I hit the fifth year of mixed makeup. We were starting to be really profitable. Um, you know, like I'd had my first child, like, let's just calm down. <laughs> and then it's like that feeling. And I don't know why I can't ignore it. It's like this feeling of like, I can do this better. I well, your mom, the entrepreneurial spirit of your mom, right? Didn't she? I mean, like her yes. businesses, again, if you didn't listen to episode one, her businesses and that your whole family, I mean, that's, that's a through line for you guys for sure. Yeah. I love uh, that. Yeah. I, you know, it's like, I just, I thought I know exactly what it is. Again, I always look at metrics and analytics. I'm always looking at what is working. And it's so weird to me to see, like, there are all these skincare brands out there that 
have a good idea. And some of them set the tone for, you know, like even what I'm doing now, right? But they don't know how to pivot. And mostly it's because they become really big companies and it's, there's such a bureaucracy and there's mm -hmm. all this, you know, they have to make certain profits and everything that, you know, it's, they don't have the ability to be as, uh, as moldable, I guess. But the beauty of starting your own company is in the early days, you can, you know, like it's the wild west, right? So you can really try to make, make it what's working. And I can see just from feedback, from metrics, from what sells, you know, like cause we see everything. We're literally watching everything that our viewers are doing, right? When it comes to their behavior with my channel, right? Yeah. And I was like, I know exactly what they want for skincare. I know exactly what they're looking for and I know exactly what I'm looking for and I can do this, right? Oh my goodness, Susan, I have to run to another shoot. So mamas, I gotta go, um, but I can't wait to finish this story and hear the rest of it. Yeah, 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 I, I got it. Okay. I got it. Okay. Peace out, okay. Brandy. Bye. <laughs> Bye. So yeah, I'd, I'd love if you could give us, uh, you know, Notorium, how did this start? Where is it at now? You know, what were the real things that you learned that you applied into this company from all of the experience you had reviewing all these other products, looking at the analytics, what your viewers wanted, what women cared about, you know? Yeah, so I, I'd say, um, knowing that this is starting to go long. So what I would say is Notarium is less than a year old. We are doing really well because, you know, all we really need is for people to know about it and try the products. Because once they try the products, they love the products because yeah. we put so much love and care into them. Everything I have learned, everything that my business partner knows, like we are, are applying all of that to this yeah. company and trying to make it the best skincare line that we can. You know, there's, there come times where we can't like please everybody because sometimes what people want, what consumers think that they want doesn't actually work. Right. right. Um, and that can be something like an ingredient that they seem to not like because they heard about it somewhere, you know, like we're trying to make it work. As, as to an extent, right? Yeah. Um, and, uh, and so I think we're doing a really good job of it. It's still the wild west. Yeah. It's hard to say where it goes from here, but I, you know, I'm not the kind of person that gives up. Like I, when I decide to do something, I'm going to go hard with it. Right. Yeah. Um, and that's kind of what Notorium is right now. Like, you know, mixed makeup. I luckily, um, have a huge team, not a huge team. I have, yeah. I luckily have a team that can handle what you know like what we're doing and they help produce me it wasn't always like that and i still have a big hand in it yeah. but i luckily have people that can keep it moving right and with notorium now it's like that's where a lot of my focus has has gone and and just like i learned if you don't put your focus on it then it's not going to work so yeah it's taking up a lot of my time probably more time than my kids get with me right now which is the saddest part about it but i'm learning to balance that right now or juggle you know that that's what I was actually curious about. Have you felt like motherhood has been something that has fueled you? Does it feel like in a way it's held you back? Like what role does motherhood have within your career? Um, you know, so I think a lot of people will start businesses because they just want to get rich, right? And that's the worst way to think of it because, you know, I think even people now, I think because I started a company, they think I'm like some wealthy multimillionaire, which is the funniest thing to me because we live in like a rental home. It's a nice rental home, but it's not my home. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, uh, and they don't realize like I've put everything into Naturium and, you know, like anything I make for mixed makeup now goes to Naturium. Wow. You know, like it's everything you make, every dollar you make goes into growing your business, right? So I probably won't make any money. Like money that goes into my own pocket for years. Oof. Like it could be three, four, maybe even five years. I've already accepted that because I learned that with mixed makeup. It wasn't a profitable business until just basically last year. Right. So like in my fourth years, when I start to really make money from mixed makeup, wow. um, like money that I could be like, wow, like we can live on this. This is yeah. starting to become like real, real money, not play money. Um, and, uh, and so, you know, like that's the way it's going to go with Naturium. So when you think about trying to make a quick buck, it doesn't work like that either. You have to invest in it. You have to grow it. You have to nurture it. And what really, what children having kids has done is made me learn to be more efficient. Um, you know, I have like a schedule and I have to learn, you know, like pre put like a protocol in place for myself. Right. Yeah. Um, and it's also taught me that, you know, like I need to have goals for what my life as a mom is going to be like, do I want to be oh. in this like rat race for the next 10 years? I don't. So I need to focus now, 
while I can do that, while my kids are just starting to like, you know, they're starting to see things like now I don't have my phone open in front of them as much as I used to when they were babies and stuff. Like there are these things that are starting to change. And as that changes, then it changes how I can work. Right. right so right. it's like constantly like trying to become efficient while navigating this world of like my children's development and their lives and stuff. Um, COVID obviously didn't help that situation because working from home with them bouncing off the walls was really hard. Yeah, um, yeah. Nikosh finally has like gone back to school. Who knows how long that'll last, but hopefully it will. Um, and that's been pretty helpful. Like I've been able to sit here with you for this, you know, for this podcast without him bouncing in here and like starting to cause a ruckus. Yeah. But it's hard. It's a lot. I think, you know, and I think that's the thing is we have this role as who we are before we're a, a mother, before we're a wife. And there's all those ambitions and all of those things that need to be honored within us. And then all these other responsibilities get layered in that, that in some way feel like either they do or they should have more emotional importance. They should be higher on the totem pole. And I think that's when a lot of people feel guilty is if they're very passionate about their career and they're very passionate about what they do if that doesn't feel like the priority list where it's like, my kids always come first, then you feel guilty about that. I, I know I do because I, mm -hmm. love be I love being a mom, but I definitely don't get my passion fulfilled by being a mom. I'm not that kind of a mom. And so for me, making sure that I have the space and the time and the priority to do my work is what makes me a better mom. And that's the balance I have to do. And I have to try to ignore if that makes me feel guilty, which it often does. Yeah, you know? for sure. For sure. There are definitely moments where I'm like, oh my God, like, you know, my husband left the other day um, to take Nikosh to school um, and I didn't say bye. And I felt crushed. Yeah. Like it was yeah. really hard because I was on a call and I was trying to get off of that call before they walk out the door. And my husband was like, I'm not going to wait for you you know, and it was, it's like the hardest thing to accept. And I think that really does like play a big part in how I am navigating all of this. I'm trying to be patient. I'm trying to like really put my focus into it, knowing that there is, you know, a light at the end of the tunnel where I can like yeah. potentially spend a lot more time with my children if I just focus right now. What's been the biggest surprise of motherhood that you didn't expect? <sighs> I, I think the, I, th I don't know. What is the biggest surprise? I think the biggest surprise is that it doesn't get easier. Right. Yeah. Like, yeah. I think you, you spend that first year with your child being like, oh gosh, this is hard when you have your first one. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, the next year you're like, oh yeah, this isn't necessarily getting easier that there, there's all these new developments and stuff. Exactly. And then you have another one to the mix you go through the whole thing again and then you realize like oh actually you know a one-year-old was so much easier to deal with than a three-year-old yeah. who's emotional and <laughs> crying all the time you know there are just so many things that does. it's like I thought maybe it gets easier because I've heard my girlfriends be like you're in a season right like I wasn't getting sleep with my baby and yeah. they're like you're in a season and now I'm out of that but I'm in a whole new season now right so yeah it doesn't get easier what's been the best joy so far of motherhood? I mean, I, I, people say this, it's such a cliche. I have never known love like this. I do not know, like I didn't know what I was missing. Um, I knew that I would love my children so much, but there is nobody that I love as much as I love my children. Yeah. So there's and also like, it's the only time I've ever felt like a little scared in my life. Right. Like, isn't that a weird feeling? It is. It is. Well, because the stakes are so high. You know, yeah. it's like when people say it's like wearing your heart on the outside of your body. It's so true. There's yeah. a question that Brandy always asks, and it's one of my favorite because I feel like it just makes you think for a minute. So if you need a second to think on it, but what do you hope that your kids remember most about you? It's a Actually, big one. I, but I, I've thought about this one. I just want them to remember that I loved them like dearly, like they always had love. That was the thing that my parents taught me. I always had love. It didn't matter what else I had, like we didn't have, right? Because we didn't have a lot. There were a lot of things that we didn't have, especially without money, right? Um, but, you know, I, I don't know if I ever felt like I was unfulfilled because I always felt like they loved me, you know? Yeah, absolutely. I'll ask the last one because I know we've got to go, but it kills me to let you go. Um, what is the best parenting advice you've gotten or marriage advice? If one feels like you got really good advice in that, you share whichever one, but kind of the best thing that you actually took 
applied and you're like, yeah, I would share that with a friend? Um, just because I haven't really given it some good thought. I don't know, uh, you know, like marriage for me, like can fall apart at any minute. So I don't know if I've got great <laughs> advice because I'm so busy that I think my husband, husband, unfortunately, I, I feel bad sometimes like gets the, the last of my bits of energy and attention. Right. Yeah. Um, and I, you know, I know he knows that this is not permanent, but it, I think that's definitely hard on the relationship. Um, the thing that I, I'm realizing after two kids is the most important is trying to get on a schedule mm. and hopefully get sleep. You know, like when you get on the schedule, sleep comes after. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. Well, it is. I mean, I think if you, if you look at how you've been able to grow the different, you know, businesses that you've started, and it's been really about looking at it really overhead and what do we need to grow and what are the people I need to help me make this happen and looking at your life and your family in the similar way. Who do I need to bring in that can help me get everything done so that we can all be happy? I think it is. It's prioritizing these things just as much as your business. Mm -hmm. Oh man, Susan, I could talk to you forever. I have like 75 questions sitting here in front of me, but you know, I know you've got so much to do, so I'm going to let you go. I'm definitely getting text messages from the office yeah. being like, are you coming? I know. I'm going to let you go. I'm going to let you go. Thank you so, so much for doing this. Um, just you. one more time. Will you tell everyone the different handles that they can find you at? Um, so that everyone can follow. It's all going to be below as well, but just if you yeah. can give it. You one. know, I think the easiest one is to just find my personal Instagram. It's at Susan Yara. And you know, I am talking about all my stuff and everything I'm doing from there. You yeah. Know? Perfect. Perfect. Susan, thank you so, 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 so much. I feel like I learned so much selfishly from you uh, just about all the business stuff. So I can you. talk to you and Brandy anytime. I love you ladies. I hope after COVID and we've figured everything out, we get to spend more time in person. We will. We will. All right, babes. Thank you so much. Thank you. Bye.